Thank you for tuning in again to the Rocky Brown Ministries podcast. I am Rocky Brown. We'll get started. So, tonight we're going to continue, just keep on talking about the subject of faith. I feel weird. I'm going to like do this. How about this? Is this kind of, I'm, I'm not used to being inside. It's like freaking me out. I'm like, there's no trains. There's no people throwing discs at us. I, yeah. I don't even know what to do. I don't even feel right. Like, I'm just going to have to leave y'all and go back to the park. I can't. <laughs> Well, I, I couldn't come. It wasn't until last week the Lord said, you can go inside. So he said, you'll spend August inside. So I said, okay, let's do this thing, Lord. So, all right. Well, has anybody got anything they want to share? Any praise reports or anything like that? That's what I like to start my... That's what I like to start my... I have a praise let's hear. My daughter's father-in-law. Yep. Good. But Praise the Lord. But anyhow, and the one on his liver, or on his right side, they haven't got any bigger, and they remain, the light scan was the same. So, and then his esophagus, or basically on his esophagus, is not there. Praise the Lord. Gone. That's fantastic. A buddy of mine had. Uh, Asked me for prayer there a couple of weeks ago. He was having some weird stuff go on, and and doctors thought it was cancer. But he called me there. He's our framery friend of the house, and he's a very very good friend of mine, and, and I, I love him. And so you know he's kind of one of these guys that <laughs> if there's a I don't know if y'all ever heard the old country stuff the old country song. He's an angel with no halo and one wing in the fire. That's my buddy Joe. So he uh, he has such a good heart, but he lives. You know, he, I mean, he really, he's a good guy and he's a believer, but he just lives right there, right on the line. And so, but anyway, they, while they were out there framing the house a couple of weeks ago, he asked for, you know, he was telling me about, you know, asked me to be praying for him and stuff. And so, man, we laid hands on him and he called me there yesterday and said, he said, all the markers came back clear. He said, they can't find a thing. So that's good news. So we rejoiced at that. I said, well... You're just going to have to hang around and keep on framing houses for a while. So, so that was good. That was very, very good. So, it. Uh, I like a good report. And you know, I think the people really don't share stuff like they should. I mean, we just they just don't. They just, you know, they just chalk it up and go on. And but uh, I'll tell you, it was funny. I had forgot what I was about to say, and the Lord said that it's something that He wanted me to share there a few days ago. And so, pertaining to supernatural healing, I don't call it divine healing, I call it supernatural healing because it's you're receiving healing from a source that is outside the realm of the natural, which is where God is. And, you know, we kind of talked about that last week. If you've ever had the Lord speak to you, that's a supernatural communication because He supersedes the bounds of natural, right? So, I mean, Oftentimes we make stuff weird, but so it's so weird. I popped up on my Facebook. Uh, I, I don't know. I was, had jumped on there and something, but this, you know, how your, those videos will show up. And here was this guy, you know, I can't think of what the name of his last name was Popoff. What a last name. But anyway, his last name was Popoff. But anyway, he was a scam artist is what he was, and so he would hold these big services, you know, and he would pay people to stand in the auditorium, you know, and have faked these diseases and all this different stuff, and they'd come forth, you know, and get them healed and all this different stuff. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of having this conversation with the Lord. And the devil asked me this question. He said, you want to be named among people like that? I thought there for a second, I said, 
I'm not named among people like that. You know. Then the Lord began to minister to me about fake and real. You know, so many Christians, I would be, I would be willing to say that the percentage is 9 out of 10. It's 90%. 90% of Christians turn away from the, stu from the study of a topic past the cross. They won't, move, they won't move past the cross. I mean, I see ministers that I know that should know better that are preaching, you know, that they're, the cross has become the golden calf. I mean, it just has. You know, the, if it wasn't for the work of the cross, that cross didn't do anything. It's the work of the one on the cross. We've taken a wooden stick and made it a god. And we've taken God off the stick and set him off to the side. You see what I'm saying there? So in dealing with talking about, you know, so people don't want to hear about the supernatural. They don't want to hear about the gifts of the Spirit. They don't want to hear about supernatural healing and all this different stuff because, you know, they worry about fakes. And I was at the gym the other day, and the Lord said this to me. He said, you tell them that those that are worried about fakes that won't receive anything, you know, because of fakes, he said, ask them why they continue to use money. I said, well, you've got a very good point there, Lord. He said, what about tennis shoes, purses, clothing, all this different stuff? He said, people are not opposed to fakes and knockoffs and all this different stuff if they can buy it at a cut-rate deal, you know, and get one of those fancy purses, you know, Louis Vuitton or, you know, all this different stuff. They can get that stuff fake, I mean, it's perfectly fine because, you know, and it can be a knockoff or people... People don't quit using money just because people are counterfeiting money. And so it's important to understand that, you know, we want to teach people what's right. We want to teach them what's true. We want to teach them what's right. And how to notice and expose, hey, you know what, this guy's fake. And there are a lot of fakes out there. There are just as many fakes behind a pulpit right now as there are anywhere else. So I think it's important to understand that we impress and we teach, we impress upon and teach people, listen, not every church that's open was planted there by God. Not every pastor that's sitting in every pulpit tonight was placed there by God. There are not, every person that's an evangelist or whatever, they're not necessarily in that position because God placed them there. They're actually holding something that doesn't belong to them. I had a lady, lady call me the other day and uh, asking me if I'd marry her daughter. Not like marry her as in, you know, but like marry her daughter and her failure, you understand. That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Hey, would you? I, I, well, I mean, it, yeah. I, maybe I could do worse. I don't know. I mean, maybe I should, maybe I should keep my options open here. But anyways, and she said, uh, you hear some of the funniest stories. And so she began to talk about it. I was like, hey, you know, I, I don't do ceremonies. I'm not ordained. This is one of the main reasons why I never got ordained, because I don't want to do weddings. <laughs> I mean, because I'm not going to just do anybody's wedding, and you're going to hurt people, and you're going to make people offended, and, you know, and. I do enough of that just by telling people the truth. So, I mean, the last thing I want to do is quit telling, is start telling people, no, I'm not going to marry you, you bunch of heathens. You're just going to be divorced in six months. So, and I'm not saying that that's the case with him because hopefully it's not. But she began to tell me, she's like, yeah, we had a, uh, you know, we had a preacher living, you know, renting a house off of us, living in our front yard. So, well, yeah. Then he come over, he said he was here about two weeks and came over and told me that God had told him to give us, <laughs> to give him our uh, empty building, that he was going to take it. I said, wow, that's pretty phenomenal. I've never, heard, I've never heard the Lord tell me, hey, go steal that from those people that own it. So anyway, long story short, like, They've got in this big feud, and they're like, he's like calling the cops on them, trying to say that they're trespassing on land that they own, and the cops come, and it's this, it was this big ordeal, you know. So, but it's always funny how you hear stories about, you know, someone who's a, a preacher. When I did construction work all the time, 
you know, you go to someone's house to work on their stuff. Oh, I've got an uncle that, you know, or I've got a brother or uh, whatever, you know. And after about the four millionth time of hearing that, you think, why didn't you just call them? <laughs> yeah, but it's funny how you move into this part of it and then everybody knows a preacher and blah, blah, blah. So, but don't let what is true and what's right slip through your hands based upon what people are doing that's wrong or what people are doing that's fake, right? So keep the, as Brother Hagin said, just keep the switch of faith turned on and, and be, just keep your heart open, ready to receive because I'm not here just to pray for people and get sick people healed. I'm here to teach you all good biblical principles how to do it. You know, so that way you're going out, you're laying hands on the sick, you're ministering to people. I mean, it's, I fully believe that we're in the last days and we need as many people working as we can get. All right. So if you remember last week, we talked about people in the scriptures receiving healing based on corporate faith, the faith of multiple people put together. Remember, so we looked, at the, we looked at the accounts with the man that his buddies tore the roof off the house to get him to Jesus. Remember that? We went through and broke all that down. And then we covered the, uh, <laughs> what I like to call the Hail Mary uh, pass, the uh, unspoken prayer request, and we proved how that's unscriptural. Remember that? Brandon wasn't there for that one, but... And the unspoken prayer request is unscriptural because I can't agree with you on something that I don't know the terms of the agreement. Like I pointed out last week, Kayla may be thinking I'm needing prayer and I'm believing the Lord that she's going to give me $500. And people are tricky. I mean, you listen to people pray. I mean, that's why I don't, I've heard people pray. And I'm like, I don't want you praying for me. Thanks. I don't, I got enough trouble. I don't need you. I don't need you working with the devil, heaping stuff up on my cart. <laughs> right? So remember what we talked about that? Let's look at that. I think that's one point we need to probably touch on. Matthew 18, 19. And Jesus said this. I know y'all have heard of him. Jesus said this. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For, whether, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. All right. Well, you could readily see how Brandon and I can't come to an agreement on something if he doesn't know the terms and I don't know the terms. It's impossible. So we'll go through a, we'll go through a series here probably in a couple of weeks, talking about prayer and, and accuracy in prayer, effectiveness in prayer, all of these different things, because really a lot of people just kind of fling it out there, and, you know, it's kind of like, I've probably used this analogy before, but a lot of people kind of treat prayer like, you know, God the Father's got a big lotto machine up in front of his throne there, you know, and he's got Gabriel turning the numbers, you know. Flip the, air flip the air compressor on Jesus, the bulbs, aren't, the bulbs aren't floating, you know, and then finally, you know, Jesus finds the extension cord and plugs it in, and the balls start floating, you know, and then Michael breaks the handle, now we've got to find another handle, you know, and then finally Gabriel gets in there, and he's having to pick the balls out by hand. And 57, he pulls out 57. Regina's getting her prayer answered today. That's how a lot of people treat prayer. But the Lord said to me, he said, prayer should be like brain surgery. Efficient, effective, and like you know what you're doing. So it's very, very, very important. And there are different types of prayer, and we'll look at that, but this would be what would be considered the prayer of agreement. And I can't agree with you on something that I don't know what you're talking about. So the thing about it is, is that if you're going to someone for prayer that you don't feel like you can divulge the details of what you're praying about, well, you need to go to find someone that you can talk to, and then that way you two can get together in faith, you know, get the scriptures on the matter, and then that way you can say, hey, you know what, this is what I've got going on. This is what I need. This is what I'm believing for. Now I need you to agree with me. See, that's an agreement. An agreement is a contract. 
in which everybody knows the points of what we're talking about, right? Well, I mean, you know, bless their darling hearts. I mean, we do a lot of church stuff that's not scriptural. You know, anybody got no spoken prayer requests? Well, I couldn't tell you how many hundreds of times I probably raised my hand till one day, you know, thank God light and wisdom comes and you think, you know, you read that right there. Well, I can't, I mean, I can't agree with someone if I don't know what, you know. Kenny, you want me to agree? You, will you agree with me? Kenny's over. Where's my check? You know. Folks, and I'm telling you, now I used this last week, but I'm telling you, you've got to be careful because you may be dealing with someone that's born again but does not have a re renewed mind. And they're not de they've not dealt with the issues of their heart. They may be asking you to agree on something that's not right in the sight of the Lord. I mean, there are people that are out there praying for someone to die so that way the burden will be relieved off of them. I can tell you that for certain. You would be surprised the things that people will pray for. You know, like, for example, it's not going to do you much good to be praying for someone else's spouse. <laughs> you know, oh God, give me such and such. If that was the case, I would have been married to Cindy Crawford at least 15 years ago, probably. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? So, but you've got to watch because, I mean, people get, man, they get sideways in the stuff that they believe and the devil will get in their head. And I, I mean, and I see people and I'm like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? What are you thinking here? So you've got to be careful about that. So there's dangers. There is severe dangers in the prayer of agreement. And you've, so you've got to be careful about that. Now, the part that we're going to talk about tonight is the number one primary way that you're going to receive everything that you receive from the Lord God. This is the, absolutely, this is going to be the number one primary way that you receive everything that you, 90% of what you receive is going to come through this particular channel right here. So if it's that significant, we better know how to, we better know how to navigate it, haven't we? Especially, now this is particularly pertaining to what we're going to talk about tonight healing the restoration of the natural body or the mind. But really, it's, a, it's good to take these principles and remember all these principles because this is base number one where you start on everything that you start on. And this is receiving healing. This part is by your faith, right? So, a lot of people miss out on God's best because they simply believe, well, if it's God's will for me to have it, I'm going to have it. And if it's not God's will for me to have it, I'm not going to have it. We had a guy die at our church a week and a half ago. I mean, he just believed that when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And he re didn't take care of himself physically. And, you know, and he checked out of here at a young age. Now, it's very unfortunate for his family it's wonderful for him. I mean, you know, he's over there with Jesus. But who knows that there are a lot of people here that are living on this side that are having to deal with the aftermath, the broken heart, right, and all that different stuff. So I want to show you something. You're still in Matthew. Roll back there to the sixth chapter of Matthew. Now... I understand that we're talking about faith, but we, we need to understand some basic principles here in pertaining to faith and what we're asking for, all right? So Jesus goes on here in Matthew chapter 6, and he's covering some very important points. You know, make sure that the charitable deeds that you're doing, they're not being done to be seen by men so that you have a reward from them because if that's, what, if that's the root of why you're doing what you're doing, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Right? Then he goes on to say, he said, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by men. 
Surely I say to you, they had their reward. That's bad news. Because that means that prayer didn't get answered. Whatever they're asking for, they're not receiving because the only thing that they're getting in the reward is what? Being seen by people. And he goes on to say, he says, Assuredly I say to you, they have the reward, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, he's really talking here about chants and incantations and all kinds of different stuff. You know, a lot of people think that if they just mimic and say the same thing over and over and over and over and over, that there's this magic number, and if you just repeat this 576 times, you know, you're going to finally move God. So he's saying there, don't waste your time praying with chants, incantations, and repetitive type praying, you know, robotic type praying, all this and that, right? He says, you know, he says, don't do that because those people think that they're going to be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him in this manner, therefore pray. Now, a lot of people will cut that verse, they'll take that verse right there and they'll say, well, you know, God just said... He, has need, he knows what I have need of before I ask Him. Well, Jesus didn't stop right there and say, therefore, because your Father knows what you have need of, don't ask Him. See that? Then He goes on, verse 9, He says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your, I'm reading from the New King James, and I've got the King James. I just, it's so hard to not quote that in the... You know what I mean? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now watch. What's, it, what's this very next word, word say right here? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> well, if you're going to have to pray that, wouldn't that tell you that you're going to have to pray God's will into the earth? Wouldn't that tell you? that there are things taking place in the natural realm that God the Father wants you to either, to either pray into existence or into subjection? See that? The church has missed it by not using their authority in a lot of ways. And a lot of things are running rampant and have been running rampant since the time of the apostles because the church hasn't stood in the authority that was given to her. So see right here, as you're going to have to, you're, you pray this. Well, if it wasn't something to that, Jesus just said right there, don't waste your time saying a bunch of words that don't mean anything. This is tough to understand. I understand. But do you think that rape is God's will? Certainly not. You think stealing these children and selling them into the sex trade is God's will? Certainly not. You think some woman being beat is, you see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a multitude of things that we could just continue to go on. So we could think about it like this. If it's taking place on the earth and we know that it's not taking place in heaven, then we know that what's taking place on the earth and is not taking place in heaven is not God's will. Well, you think Mary's up there running through heaven worried about being raped? Certainly she's not. Can you see that? So he said, what you're going to have to do is, is, he said, you're going to have to pray for the will of the Father to be established in the earth and for things to be done in the earth. Concern now, your authority doesn't cover and blanket the earth. It's important to understand that. But now we can stand more in the authority of what we've got. Now, see, we've got to do that by faith, which is what we're talking about here. So you're going to have to bring things into the earth into, that's are in the earth into subjection to God's will. He told Adam when he formed his man and put him in the garden, he said, go forth and subdue the earth. Bring it under subjection. Well, what's that mean? Bring it under rule and reign. That must mean that there's the potential for things there to be unruly and not being established according to the will of God. 
right? So if cancer was God's perfect will, why don't they have it in heaven? If sickness was God's perfect will, why does it not exist in heaven? See, that's tough sledding, though, ain't it? Then you'll get people over there and they'll say, well, but you know, Brother Brown, you know God's got to use that sickness here in the earth to teach us a lesson. Make us more holy. You know, punish us when we've been bad. Well, isn't it a shame Jesus didn't know that? You'd have thought that the Son of God would have known that, wouldn't you? Because, see, he went about doing good and healing all the people that was oppressed of the devil. You'll come to find out that there was basically five categories of sickness used in the Greek that describes and encompasses all types of sickness and disease. Well, if sickness was God's perfect will, somebody forgot to tell Jesus that. Because he went and healed them by the droves. You see that? Now we talked about hindrances that unbelief will stop that power from flowing. Right? But if it was God's will for Kenny to be sick, you know, why does God have that? Why doesn't, I mean, why? Well, he ought to have a way better form of cancer in heaven. (laughs) You see that? I mean, if everything here is just a cheap imitation of what's in heaven, well, he ought to have the best cancers up there. He ought to have the best version of the coronavirus up there. He ought to have the best version of AIDS up there, Orton. Huh? Can you see that? See how much the water starts to clear up when you just apply common sense? When we take off that religious hat and we say, okay, I'm going to take off my pharisaical headdress, and now I'm just going to talk like a normal person. When you start applying common sense to the matter, the water starts clearing up. Because you're like, that's, that's right, that makes sense. But a lot of people say a lot of things that don't make sense, but it's received as doctrine because of the position that the person holds, whether they're supposed to be there or not. And we come to find out that that is what caused the Jews so much problems with the oral law because the rabbis said, well, the Torah says this, but now you need me. You need me to really explain that to you, what that really means. And then all of a sudden now, all of these other rules are coming out of nowhere, right? Hindering people's faith, shutting them down. It's the same way today. Well, you'll never get to heaven if you're smoking Marlboros. Where does it say that? There are people, you realize there are people that believe that. Huh? I mean, there are people that right now would be mad if you showed up to their Bible study in shorts and shoes. They would be mad. They would be offended at you and probably ask you to leave. And I just say, that's fine. I'll get out and act like I'm leading a parade, baby. You see what I'm saying? So, see, we get all this stuff mixed up, and it's just like dumping a big bunch of rocks in a bucket of water, and you just stirring it up, and it's just, you know, it's just going everywhere. And we, why we do this? Well, I don't know. When we get the very last part of this, when we get to the very last part of this particular series, I'm going to teach a lesson on how the Holy Spirit completely upended my beliefs on something pertaining to healing. Completely walked over, kicked my bucket over, and asked me one simple question. All he did was ask me one simple question, and when he did, it was like he pulled the string and just unraveled every... I said, I have got no answer for that. I have absolutely no answer. And it's going to be good because I actually have to go... Because in that is going to be... I'm going to show you all. This is what I believed. This is what I based it on. And now this is what the Holy Spirit undone that now we're going to and now and we're going to it'll be a we're going to fix it right but by faith receiving healing by your faith now how do you get born again 
Brandon, what does Ephesians 2 tell us? Well, I mean, by grace you've been saved through faith, right? But I mean, that's Romans, t what you just read right there is Romans 10. Nope, that's perfectly fine, right? But by what? By grace, through faith, you have been saved. And then it goes on to say, to even eliminate any type of dispute, it says, not of works, so that no one can boast. So you can't walk around saying, well, you know, God picked me because he knew I would, he knew ultimately I would serve him and he chose me to spend eternity with him because, you know, I'm me. But there are people out there that believe that, right? And, they, and they'll try to distort Ephesians too, and they'll are, I mean, it's a mess. But when you understand what is the greatest of all miracles, that at the moment that you believed on Jesus in your heart, and the moment, the instant that you confessed Him as your Savior and your Lord, you were born again. So your old spirit that had died due to sin and was separated from God was killed and a new spirit was brought forth and made alive together with Christ. That's the greatest of all miracles. And you access that by faith. So what's faith, right? If we need to, if, we, if we're going to, if everything pretty much that we're going to receive is based on faith, what is faith? Faith is simply, don't read Bible dictionaries. <laughs> Don't read Bible dictionaries on what faith is. You will leave so much more confused than when you got there that it's not even remotely funny. I mean, for what good Bible dictionaries do in a lot of different ways, they really, really miss it in faith, what faith is, what hope is. <laughs> I mean, they really, really... And I'm talking about Ungers, Vines, Eastons. I mean, they really, really, really blow it big time on some things, right? And they're going to give you this big explanation that you're going to spend 15 minutes reading and you're going to get to the end of that and go, I literally know less now than what I did before I read this. So faith is just simply the persuasion of the mind or the heart that something is the truth. How is your heart persuaded? You believed one way, but then you were presented evidence that piece by piece and part by part, your heart was persuaded to believe Jesus is Lord. Why? Because someone told you the gospel message. Hey, God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. The Holy Spirit was there bearing witness. What did it do? It pierced your heart. You saw the evidence. There was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That weight was there. You said, i, I got to believe this. This is so real to me. Well, that is faith. You believe one way, and then you're persuaded with evidence to believe another way. Now you can be persuaded with false evidence to believe the wrong way, right? So one thing that, you know, what I like to do, I like to debate myself is what I like to do. So if y'all ever want to know how a lot of my teaching comes up, I like to debate myself. And I like to say, okay, whatever, whatever I'm thinking about. And then I go and I try to argue that point from every possible perspective that I can come up with. Right? So I roll that around in my mind. Roll it around, roll it around, roll it around, roll it around. Listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. Because the natural side of me, I like to argue. I mean, I, it's, it's a shame to admit that, but that really is the truth because I like to be right. And I don't like to not be right. And I don't like to not have an answer. I remember <laughs> a long time ago, not a long time ago because I'm not old. I just started young. But so, like, as the Lord began to really draw me after I got hurt bull riding, I would go ask people questions and then have the answer. Like pastors and, you know, people that are supposed to know what they're talking about. I'd say, I'd ask them a question. I don't know, I have to get back to you on that. Well, most of them never did. Well, so, when you fix stuff for a living, like I do, when you're a problem solver, like I am, that don't set well with you, does it, Brandon? 
<laughs> so Brandon's got the same. Brandon's got a lot of the same problems, right? So I just said, you know what? There's got to be an answer to a lot of this stuff. Why don't we have it? Well, a lot of people don't have it because you're going to come find out a lot of them don't want it because it's going to upend their theology. It's going to kick over their bucket like the Holy Spirit did to me the other day. I mean, I've got to take some backwater on this. It's going to be fun, though. I don't care. Because it's, to me, it's just as equally as important for me to go to people and say, hey, you know what, I believe this. But then the Lord came by and showed me this, why this was right and this is wrong. Right? Because none of us are outside error and making a mistake. Right? So you can put your faith on that. I'm putting my hat back on. Now, faith, the general persuasion of the mind that something is the truth. That's how you receive salvation. So think about it like this. If you can believe God that you're going to leave your body and go spend eternity, which is not a duration of time, it's time without end. You're going to go spend forever with Him in a place called heaven. That's really, really, really swinging for the fences. I mean, that's a good colloquial baseball expression, isn't it, Brandon? I mean, mean, we can believe that we're going to live here for who knows how long, and then when I leave this body, I'm going to a place I've never seen to spend forever with a God I've never seen based on the words of someone I've never seen. That's some serious faith. Think about that. Because, I mean, you know, that's why I like to look at things and debate it. You want me to believe that I'm going to die and spend eternity in heaven if I believe on this guy. See, we don't have to be weird. We don't have to have churchianity here. We can, do, we can discuss the word. You see what I'm saying? So if we can believe for that, then, and everything else is way below that. What's the furthest home run's ever been hit, Brandon? Thrill me. Pick a number. All right. A man hit, Brandon says a man hit a baseball 510 feet. Now I have faith that Brandon is telling me the truth because of the fact that Brandon's played baseball and used to study baseball and all this different stuff. Now, if that man hit a baseball... 510 feet, would it not stand to reason that he could hit that same baseball three inches? Don't you think that if a man could hit a baseball 510 feet, which is, I don't know how many inches, a lot of them, don't you think that he could hit that same baseball that far? So if the mark of salvation is 510 feet and believing for healing is three inches. Don't you think you've got enough faith to believe for that? See that? Or provision, or protection. See, when we start applying it with normal stuff, that's what Jesus did. What did he do? He said, a sower goes out to sow the seed. He didn't begin to say, and the quantum formula for how I designed the universe was, no. He said, hey, if your donkey gets stuck in the ditch on the Sabbath, aren't you going to pull it out? Jesus' teachings are very simple. Very, very, very Simple, so simple that my seven-year-old son can catch it, right? Hey, if your Father in heaven feeds the birds of the air, how much more important are you to him than they are? And if he takes care of them, how much the more so is he going to take care of you? See that? He used common everyday stuff. Who goes out and builds a tower without counting the cost? Well, nowadays, the, I mean, the government would do that without blinking an eye, right? I mean, they wouldn't even have to. 
Well, we don't even, Jesus had to use a different parable today. <laughs> but they're like, we don't care. We're just going to rob it from the taxpayers anyway. And there you go. But look at, look at the comparison. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about, we're going to get here into a minute, the first scripture on by faith, receiving healing by faith. But if you have got enough faith to believe God for eternal life, you've certainly got enough faith to believe God for everything less than that. Can you see that? But see, the devil, what's he want to do? He wants to get in your head. He wants to get in your head. You need more faith. That's what a lot of ministers tell people. You, you know what your problem is? You just need more faith. You don't need more faith. What you need is revelation. The revealing of something in which you've never seen before. A revealing of the truth, apocalypses, a revealing of the truth to you in a way in which you've never seen it before. Because how could you possibly need more of something that, that granted you eternal life? Faith is the substance in which you accessed eternal life. So why would you need more faith to believe for something lesser? Let's think about that for just a minute. I'm going to pretend I have Brandon's checkbook. And in this checkbook, I have a million dollars. Right? So if I have a million dollars in a bank account, that means I can spend one million dollars, does it not? I can write a bunch of little checks, I can write a few big ones, or I can write one big one, can I? So if I have a million dollars in the bank, I can guarantee that I can purchase anything on the face of the earth for a million dollars, no matter what it is. If it's for sale, and I have a million dollars, and there's an item that's for sale for a million dollars, I can purchase it, can I not? All right. So if I have that million dollars sitting in a bank account, do I have enough money to go get a piece of bubble gum out of the bubble gum machine? That was not a trick question. <laughs> yes, if I have a million dollars, if I have a million dollars, then certainly I have enough money to come up with a quarter to purchase a piece of bubble gum. So if you have enough faith to believe for eternal life, then you have certainly more than enough faith than you would ever need to believe for anything lesser. So you may say to me, I'm struggling to believe on the topic of healing. I need more faith. You don't need more faith. What you need is revelation knowledge that says this is for you. You need it made real to your heart. Okay, yes, I see Jesus is the healer. Okay, I see that he never denied healing to anybody. Period. He never denied healing to anybody. And anybody that tells you otherwise is ignorant or dishonest and possibly both. Simple as that. He never, God the Father never denied healing to anybody. So then you get over here into this area. It's not if God can heal. It's will he heal me. That's what we really, really, really need to know. It's great that he healed Kim or Brandon or Kathy, but will he heal me? See, it's easy to believe when you're standing in a position that you, when you don't need healing, to pray for someone who does and help them believe and help them receive. But when sickness comes knocking on your door, it's a completely different ballgame. Because it's always easier to help someone believe for something that you don't need. God can move mountains in church. He's a, he's a mountain-moving God in church. <laughs> he's a miracle-working God in church. But what about when you get out of church and you get to the parking lot? What's in? <laughs> huh? Who's going to encourage you at 2 o'clock in the morning when you're in the middle of the fight of faith? See that? 
it's easy to believe for something for someone else. But when it's you, it's harder. And that's just the way it goes. And a lot of people are not honest about that. A lot of ministers are not honest about that. I know ministers that are not honest about that. They're just not. They tell you you need more faith. Well, if you've been born again, you, you already have enough faith for that. Now we just need to get that cup. We need to get what that cup is full of running over here into this area. Can you see that? We got enough faith for eternal life. Now we need, we need healing. All right. Now we got to get that faith rolling, working over here in this area. So then we understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, right? The persuading of the mind. I don't need more of the substance of faith. I've been given a measure of faith. What I need now is, is to be persuaded by revelation and by knowledge and by evidence that healing is for me in this particular area. Can you see that? Is any of that making sense? So we'll look, we're going to close this down here in just a minute, but I want you to look at, we're going to run through, I want you guys to see some things right here. So go, we're going to do some comparisons, some textual comparisons. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter 9 first. Matthew 9. We're going to deal with the subject of the woman with the issue of blood. You need that? <laughs> no, you don't have to. I, I need to bring extras. Well, you're like me. You're chained to that. You've you got it on your phone, too. All right, so the woman with the issue of blood. Now, this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful portion of Scripture. And so what I want to do is, is we're going to read them consecutively. We're going to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then we're going to go back and what little time we got left and we'll expand on a few points and wherever we don't get to, we'll pick up next week, okay? So Matthew 18. Now, what you're going to see me do here is, is I'm going to, in my notes, what I did, because right in the middle of this recording in Mark and Luke, this actually starts out with Jairus. Then the woman with the issue of blood shows up. Then it jumps back to Jairus. So we want to look specifically at the woman with the issue of blood. So I'm going to read, and then when we get down to Mark and Luke, we're going to read, and then I'm going to tell you where we jump, when we jump verses. Okay? So Matthew, starting at verse 18. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if, I may, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Now, jump over there to Mark's gospel. And we're going to go over to verse 25. So we're going to cut out the section here about Jairus. And we're going to look right around that. So starting at Mark chapter 5, verse 25. I'll give you all a minute to get there. Starting at verse 25, and it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the, his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, jump over there to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 8. Starting in verse 43, it says, Now a woman, having a flow of blood for twelve years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng you and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out of me. Now when, he, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So let's talk about a couple points. Number one, how long had this woman been struggling with this infirmity? Twelve years. Persistently. Twelve years. And it says, what? It says that she had went and seen many different doctors and she had spent everything that she had and she was no better but grew worse. Now again, because people are going to listen to this that don't know me on the podcast, again, we're going to reiterate one more time, we're not against doctors. We're not against nurses. We're not against medicine. We're not against any of that stuff. Thank God for good doctors. Thank God for good nurses. Thank God for medicine, good medicines, right? But there comes a point in time, what do you do when the doctors have done everything that they can do in the medicine? There is no medicine. Now you got trouble, right? This is the position that this woman has found herself in. There are people who live in this state today that maybe they don't have a terminal illness, but the doctors have done everything that they can possibly do. Medical science has reached the limits of what it can do, and now it can do nothing else. This woman is now what we would consider fully beyond the reach of any type of natural help. Well, when you exceed the limits of natural help, there's only one place help can come from then. That's from the supernatural, isn't it? From that which abounds beyond the natural, right? So it's important to understand that. So this woman had this, had this sickness or infirmity 12 years. She spent all of her money. Doctors can't help her, she's broke, and she's still got this sickness. Now, it says, when she heard of Jesus. Now that's important. Because a lot of people nowadays hear of Jesus, but they don't hear of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. They hear a lot about Jesus the Savior but they hear little to nothing about Jesus the healer. See, he's just as much healer as he is Savior. See, Brandon's left arm is just as much a part of his body as the rest of it, ain't it? Sure it is. His, his left arm is just as much a part of his body as his right foot, isn't it? Certainly it is. Jesus is just as much healer as he is Savior. And he's just as much protector as he is Savior, and he's just as much provider as he is Savior. See? But a lot of people don't hear. They hear of Jesus the healer, but then when someone asks someone who's in a position that I'm in, what about this Jesus the healer? And they say, no, God doesn't heal anymore. You're out of luck. Or if he does, by some unknown force that persuades the Almighty God to move on your behalf, Maybe you'll get it. Maybe you won't. If you don't make it, we'll see you in heaven. That's the way a lot of people look at it. Because it's very easy to not be concerned about something that's not affecting you directly. 
You remember that? We looked over at Psalm 145.8. Remember we did that series there about the compassion of the Lord? Remember? And then we looked about how Jesus was moved with compassion all those times. What did he do? Healed the sick. Did all these things, right? So it's important to understand this woman heard something about Jesus that so persuaded her that she said, He doesn't even have to know that I'm there. I'm going to sneak up on Jesus, <laughs> kind of like a stalker <laughs> or a ninja. <laughs> I'm going to sneak up on Jesus, and I know that if I can get through that crowd, he doesn't even have to know I'm there, that all I have to do is just simply touch the very bottom of his clothes, and if I can... I'm going to be healed. One rendering of one person's exposition on the Greek would say that that woman said and kept on saying to herself. See, faith says and it keeps on saying. How many times in your life have you said, someone say, you born again? Oh yeah, I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Well, you've said it more than once, haven't you? <laughs> Certainly you have. See that? So you just didn't say it once 15 years ago, and then, you know, no, you keep, what do you do? Faith says, and it keeps on a saying. Can you see that? Why? Because it's a confident expectation. I believe I'm going to heaven, right? Brandon, what kind of baseball player would you be if you started out in spring training saying, I believe my team is going to get their hind end beat just like a drum this year? <laughs> why? It's, it, it expand on that for just a moment and, and, and tell us why that is. As a man thinks, so he is. So when people say, I don't believe in that believing and speaking nonsense, and they'll go and they'll root for their team, boy, go, team, go. Right? Oh, I believe my team's going to win the World Series or the, or the Super Bowl, or I believe they're going to win the NBA championships, or they're going to, you see what I'm saying? We've got all this confidence and all these things, yet we can't believe the Lord God for receiving anything by faith. Can you see that? Can you see how the system is so out of balance? Right? I mean, you can have, you'll have, I don't even know how the Cleveland Indians still have fans. <laughs> like they are literally so bad that they made parody movies about their team. Well, we're good now, though, but we just changed our name. We're not the Oh, it's not the Cleveland. No, it's too, it's too racist. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> All right, so the woman says and keeps on saying, right? What's she saying? Well, you know, maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. No, she said, uh, if I can sneak up on him. And just touch his clothes as I go as he goes by, I'm gonna be healed. You, do you see this woman crying out, "Oh God, if it be your will, oh God, oh God, if it be your will." But she didn't say that, did she? But if that means was effective, why didn't we see anybody do that in the, <laughs> in the scriptures? You see that? See, we gotta poke fun at ourselves every once in a while. And we gotta we gotta keep pushing ourselves, right? We have to keep pressing on those religious boundaries that we set that makes us stay comfortable yet yields nothing, actually hinders us, right? So she said and she kept on saying. Now, here's an interesting point. I made this comment a few weeks ago because I heard Brother Hagin say it. And, it. and I looked it up and it's, and it's right. Jesus ministered as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, right? He did not minister as the Son of God. If he administered as the Son of God, he wouldn't have had to have been anointed with the Spirit. Because who's going to anoint God? <laughs> Can you see that? Right? So everything he did, he did as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, he didn't know that he didn't know who it was that touched him. Did he? He didn't know it. If he was ministering as God as God incarnate in the flesh, as a lot of people try to preach that. Well, he would have just turned around and saw, oh, there's a, well, there's Kathy, and you know, I know it was you, Kathy. I felt you coming up behind me. 
See that? He didn't know who it was, did he? He didn't. Who touched me? <laughs> I can see the, You know, I kind of put myself in the disciples' position from time to time, you know, because you, you look at them and you think, that's a really dumb statement. I probably would have said the same thing. They're like, Jesus is like, someone touched me. I could see Peter now. Well, yeah, there's lots of people touching you. What's, <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> you know. But what did Jesus say? He said, no. He said, I felt power go out of me. Well, what's that tell us? It tells us that faith always touches the power of God. It happened when you were born again. What happened? Faith made contact with the power of God. Because that's what happened. Remember? This woman touched his clothes and the power of the Holy Spirit flowed out of him into this woman and instantly healed her of a condition that she'd had for 12 years. When Jesus turned around, who touched me? And then the woman's like, man, I am seriously busted. They're going to take me outside the city gates and stone me. It says she came and fell down before him and told him everything, right? You ever think you get busted by the Lord and then you just fall down and start telling everything you know? I mean, it's, I mean it's all right. I've been there. I've been there myself. I mean, you start talking about stuff that you did 10 years ago. You're like, oh, Lord, please don't kill me. You know, but the point I want to emphasize is here is that Jesus does not say, Daughter, you were healed by the divine sovereign will of God. He did not say, You were healed because God thought you were worthy. He did not say, You didn't get everything you need. Go read the scriptures and get you some more faith. What did he say? He said, you have plugged your cord into the wrong outlet. No, he didn't say that, did he? No, what did he say? Three times, what was he He says, your faith has made you well. Really, that would mean whole. She was made whole, made well, right? Can you imagine how happy she was? I guarantee you, she went up and down the road shouting and testifying. Huh? So it's important to see. You see it right there. Luke uh, 8 and 48. Or Mark 5 and 34. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Matthew 9 and 22. Daughter, your faith has made you well. So I want to end there. But it's important that we focus on faith makes contact with the power of God. And so, you know, maybe you have a situation that you're up against and you're like, I, I really don't know what to do. Like, I mean, I've done everything I know to do. Now I don't know what to do because we're, we're not getting any results. We're not seeing anything. When you go a period of time and you're not seeing results, you need to stop and analyze and say, okay, I've went through every chain that I know to go through and nothing has changed. Now, where did I miss it? But one way to avoid having to get all the way to that is when you start, before you even start praying about something, is say, Lord, what do I need to do here? How do I need to handle this situation? What, do we, what needs to be done? Oftentimes, <clears throat> we, we use the whole pray and spray mentality, right? So we just go in like a Tommy gun in prayer. <laughs> you know, and I mean, we're just throwing it everywhere, aren't we? And we don't even pay attention to what we're saying, and we don't have the word on what we don't know what we're really talking about. We just think that there's this need, and it needs to be met immediately. And, you know, it may be something six months down the road, but my God, if you don't answer it in the next 45 seconds, I mean, it's just the whole world's going to just fall apart and come to an end, and you might as well just burn this thing down and roll the whole show up and take me on to heaven, because if I don't get the answer in the next five minutes to a problem that's six months down the road. I'm a false prophet. You're not a real God. And, but that's how a lot of people act, isn't it? That sounds outlandish. But that's how we act sometimes, isn't it? It's okay. 
I do the same thing. I'm not poking fun at you. I'm poking fun at me because there are times. I'll give you a perfect example. I'll close this today. I'll close on this. I had a situation come up. I had to go talk to some people today. And I dreaded it. I didn't want to be there <laughs> at all. Right? Didn't want to have to do what I had to do, you know, and all this different stuff. So all morning, you know, I got Bowman. He's outside on the hay. He's working on the vinyl side, and I'm stuck in the house doing all the vacuuming, you know. I'm going to make someone a really good wife one day, though. But, uh, say, you know, so we're running this big shop back and all this stuff, and I've got my earbuds in. So you're just stuck right here with your thoughts. And at about 15 after 8 this morning, the devil started. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And then, I'm, then my mind got started, and I was like, man, what am I going to do? You know, well, maybe if this, they say this, and then I'll say this, and blah, blah, blah. You know, and then after about 30 minutes, I realized, I was like, I've been trapped. I've been drugged right into this, you know. So then I resist the devil, and he leaves for a little bit, you know, and I'm back to vacuuming, you know. Well, about this carried on about three hours, off and on. And finally, it just clicked. Where? Right on the inside of me, it clicked. I stood up. I said, you know what? I said, I am a son of the living God. By faith in the Lord Jesus. And I am not entertaining these thoughts anymore. I'm not going to purpose anything that I'm going to say because when I get there, all I'm going to do is say whatever inspiration comes from the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm going to do. And that's the end of it. And I'm going on about my business. And you know what? From that moment, I just went right on and never even thought another thing about it. And I went down there and figured out that this thing that I thought was going to last an hour lasted about eight minutes and went phenomenally better than what I thought it was going to. Why? We get so wrapped up and, well, you know, i got to go down there and i got to talk to Kenny and if Kenny says this and I'm expecting he's going to say this because I know how he acts and he's going to say this and then I'm going to say that and then he's going to come back with this and then I'm going to nail his feet to the floor with that and, huh? and it's like you're playing table tennis with yourself. Wearing yourself out, right? Hey, don't look at me in that tone of voice. I know y'all do the same thing. Don't look at me like it. Huh? Y'all do stuff like that? I do too. You know, used to, I was really bad for it because I would set up, man, I'd set up whole conversations and I'd be like, all right, and then when we, I'm going to lead them right here and then when we get to this point, oh, man, I'm just going to, it was just going to kill the whole show. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. But sometimes the devil, you know, he'd get in my head and he'd be like, well, you know, what if they say this? I'd be like, man, I may have to rebuke the devil if they say that. You know, it's like, <laughs> any questions, comments? How did we do on time? We did good. We only ran over 10 minutes. That's not bad.